filled with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, Jesus is led in the wilderness. Through his responses to the temptations of the devil, he defines what it means to be called the Son of God. Holy Gospel according to Luke, to Luke the fourth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So putting today's portion of the Gospel in its narrative context, as I like to do, let's start by backing up to the beginning of chapter 3. We read those first nine verses during Advent, in the 15th year of the reign of so-and-so and and blah, blah, blah. John the baptizer came out of the wilderness, quoting Isaiah, and then he denied being the Messiah the people were waiting for. And then following Christmas and the Epiphany, Jesus was baptized. And this takes us now through the 22nd verse of chapter 3. Verse 23 lets us know that Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work, and then all the way through to the end of the chapter, we get a listing of the sons of, from Joseph down to Adam, son of God. And we don't read that portion in the lectionary because it's a lot of so-and-so was the son of, was the son of, was the son of, was the son of. As in Matthew and Mark, Luke's writer uses the spirit to move Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation following his baptism. We'll return to this in a minute. Coming out of the wilderness, Jesus went through Galilee teaching and being praised, and then we read how he told off the people in his hometown synagogue. We read that stuff back in late January, about the same time we had our annual meetings here and at Faith, so if you don't remember that, that might be why. Now, real quick for those of you who, like me, like the bullet points of all that. Luke's third chapter opens with adult John the baptizer coming out of the wilderness, proclaiming the coming of the Lord, baptizing, denying he is the Messiah, and reporting on Jesus' baptism. The fourth chapter follows. Jesus is still filled with the Spirit from his baptism, 
And the Spirit then leads him into the wilderness for 40 days of temptation and testing by the devil. Following this, Jesus begins his public ministry in Galilee. So now returning to the wilderness, a favorite setting of Luke, we get to that number 40. Jesus' 40 days of temptation in this wilderness recalls Israel's own 40 years of wilderness wandering and being tested. But unlike the Israelites who grumped at Moses throughout the book of Deuteronomy and their 40 years of wandering, Jesus renders obedience to God. And Luke lays out three ways in which Jesus is tempted. Now remember, Jesus hasn't eaten for 40 days, and he is described as famished when the devil, also known as the accuser or the adversary, shows up. Now, as an aside, if I'm to believe that Jesus was 100% human, which I do, I'm also imagining a hangry and somewhat delirious Jesus here. For those of you who don't know, hangry is when you are so hungry, you are angry. As in, your partner says to you, what do you want on your pizza? And you respond, I don't even care right now. Feed me. Feed me, and then I can tell you. Until then, you are at risk of me ripping off your face. Hangry. So the first temptation Luke gives us is, prove you are the son of God and turn this stone into bread. And of course, we get Jesus' response, no. One does not live by bread alone. Also, you didn't think I thought of that before you suggested it? Jesus resists this idea because he relies entirely on God to provide for what he needs. The adversary now changes tactics and invites Jesus to exchange his identity as son of God for a relationship with the devil. Jesus rejects this offer because the devil's sovereignty is not absolute, but God is the ultimate authority over all the cosmos. Then and now and every time in between, the devil tempts us and the church to accept life in the empire, full of idolatry, injustice, poverty, etc., etc., as normative. Of course there's going to be injustice. Of course we're going to be idolatrous. Of course there's going to be poor people. Who cares? Jesus' rejection here, though, is a rejection of that idolatry, of that injustice being the norm. He knows that the deity, or the thing that one worships, determines the character of the worshiping community. Made me think of the Bob Dylan song, Gotta Serve Somebody. Dylan lists a lot of things that you may be, you might wear, you might be called, you might do for a living, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Who do you serve? And what does that say about your character? Worshiping God who is restoring the world will lead the community to be restorative. 
And now in the final temptation, Jesus is told to jump from the top of the temple because surely God's angels will protect him, as this quote from Scripture says right here. See, right here. This is called proof texting. We can do and prove all things through a Bible verse taken out of context. Whenever somebody says to you, the Bible says, and then quotes something to prove, you know, whatever point they're trying to make, be skeptical. Even the devil can quote scripture to meet their needs. Jesus' response tells the devil, tells us that quoting is not enough. We need to understand and interpret in a context that helps us to discern God's purposes, God's will. There's a one-panel cartoon from nakedpastor.com that's been circulating again around Facebook. And it's on one side, you have a group of modern church people holding their Bibles, standing off to one side, and on the other side is Jesus, and they're facing one another. And Jesus says to this crowd of people, the difference between me and you is you use scripture to determine what love means, and I use love to determine what scripture means. How are we reading, interpreting, and sharing scripture to discern and realize God's will. Today's portion ends with the devil departing Jesus until an opportune time. In Luke's gospel, this opportune time will be when Satan enters Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. And in Acts, remember it's the same author, the church continues to confront the devil and draws encouragement and inspiration from Jesus' time in the wilderness resisting temptation. Now we, too, continue to face and struggle with these same temptations. Usually, minus the big screen special effects that I picture when we're reading the passage, you know, like the zoom out from the temple on the top and the everything. Think about your day-to-day for a moment. Where are the places that you face temptation to rely on the material world to meet your needs instead of relying on God? Where are the places you face temptation to serve idols and deform your character or our character as a community? Where are the places you face temptation to interpret scripture as a rule book that excludes some people? Jesus resisted these temptations. He did what his forebears wandering the wilderness with Moses could not. He did what we wandering in the 21st century wildernesses of pandemic, war, and the myriad injustices cannot. And still, we strive to resist the lure of idols and the devil's promises of false life. Instead, to rely upon God above all else and serve the divine will 
now and always. As we proceed through this Lenten season, may you, we, look only to the triune God for our hope and our strength. Amen.